4: Who's to blame? They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith, and I am The Alarmist. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we talk about history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. Today is our 100th episode. I want to thank all of our listeners for helping us get to our 100 review goal. You're all number one on my chart. So thank you. You're the best. Today we're discussing the Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding scandal, assault, event. Here's what you need to know. Tanya Maxine Harding was born in 1970 and grew up in a troubled family in Portland, Oregon. According to Harding, her mother, LaVonna Golden, was an alcoholic who relentlessly abused her, both physically and psychologically. Harding began skating at the age of three and was landing advanced jumps by the time she was 10 under the guidance of renowned coach Diane Rawlinson. Skating was the only stable thing in Harding's troubled childhood, something she loved passionately that also provided an escape from her life at home. At 15, Harding dropped out of high school to pursue professional skating. Her major breakthrough came at the 1991 U.S. Nationals, where Harding made history by becoming the first American woman to land a triple axel.
0: The question is whether she will become the first American to attempt and complete
1: a triple axel jump. We will know that here whether she tries it or not.
3: Good girl!
2: Oh, isn't that great! The first time an American, only Midori Edo has completed a triple axel in competition. Oh, how
1: nice!
4: Later that year, she recorded three more firsts at Skate America. The first woman to complete a triple axel in short competition, the first woman to complete two triple axels in a single competition, and the first woman to complete a triple axel combination. Recalling her momentous triple axel at nationals in the documentary Anything to Win, Harding says, For the very first time, I just knew I was the best.
3: After that dramatic
0: triumph two and a half years ago, things have somehow unraveled. Problems with her health, her marriage, and with her skating. Many speculate that the time has come to end her career.
3: When it's time is when I've won the gold medal at the Olympics, then it'll be time to move on. And that's going to happen this February, because I'm not going to settle
0: for anything less.
4: On the ice, she was soaring, but off the ice, her personal life was still a mess. At 19, Harding married Jeff Galuli, with whom she had been in a volatile relationship since she was 15. Their marriage lasted from 1990 to 1993, during which time, Harding filed at least two restraining orders against Galuli, who at one point allegedly threatened to, quote, break his wife's legs and end her career. Despite her outstanding athletic ability and achievements, Harding always struggled to fit into the elite world of figure skating, where most competitors were backed by money and conformed to the sport's conservative decorum. One such competitor was Nancy Kerrigan, who, despite being from a blue-collar background, grew up in a stable home and subscribed to figure skating norms, like designer costumes, classical music soundtracks, graceful execution, and her conventional good looks didn't hurt. Kerrigan was considered regal. Harding was considered a misfit and low-class, sporting homemade costumes, skating to ZZ Top, and smoking, hunting, and playing pool in her downtime. In January 1994, both Kerrigan and Harding were competing at the U.S. Figure Skating Championship in Detroit with hopes of making it to the Winter Olympics in Lillehammer. After a practice session on January 6th, Kerrigan left the ice and stopped in a hallway outside her dressing room to talk to a reporter. Unbeknownst to Kerrigan, a man named Shane Stant had been watching her practice and followed her off the ice. With no security interference, Stant approached Kerrigan, drew a baton out of his belt, and while passing between Kerrigan and the reporter, struck a vicious blow to Kerrigan's right leg just above the knees. Kerrigan screamed while Stant bolted. The plexiglass doors standing between him and his escape were chained shut, so Stant used his head to crash through the bottom of one of the doors without skipping a beat. He clumsily stumbled out, threw the baton into the snow, and eventually found his accomplice, Derek Smith, waiting with the car. The two escaped the scene without anyone giving chase. It wasn't long before the dots were connected from Stant and Smith to Harding's ex-husband, Jeff Galluli, who claimed that Harding herself was in cahoots with him and his friend Sean Eckard. Harding maintains that she didn't know a thing about the plan, and that it wasn't until after the attack that she learned that Galuli was involved. Fun Facts, aka Death Stats Kerrigan earned a silver medal in Lilyhammer behind Oksana Bayul. Harding placed eighth. Jeff Galuli, who was Harding's ex-husband at the time of the attack, agreed to testify against her for a plea deal. His sentencing included two years in prison for racketeering and a $100,000 fine. Sean Eckhard pleaded guilty to racketeering, while Shane Stant and Derek Smith admitted to conspiracy to commit second-degree assault. All three men were sentenced to 18 months in prison. Ultimately, Tanya Harding pleaded guilty to hindering the prosecution. Her plea bargain included three years of supervised probation, 500 hours of community service, $160,000 in fines and payments, a psychiatric evaluation, and participation in court-ordered treatment. Worst of all, Harding was barred from the U.S. Figure Skating Association for Life. With us today, we have producer Amanda Lund. Hello, Rebecca. Fact checker Chris Smith.
2: Hello, everyone.
4: And our two very, very, very special guests for our 100th episode, our alarmy favorites. <laughs> Anastasia Kousakis, and Georgia Mishak. Hi, gals. Wow, what an intro. (laughs) Hi. Now, ladies, do we remember... I mean, this is a rhetorical question. Do we remember the 1994 Olympics, Winter Olympics, where this all went down? I mean, obviously, I I should say the month of January, 1994, when this all went down.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, this was like a huge deal for me because I was a figure skater and so I was like, Wait, what? Very... <laughs>
5: Tell us more.
1: <laughs> that sounded like so natural. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank um, you. This was high, I mean, high stakes. I, it's, it's weird though because I was thinking a lot about it today and I, I, the story is so ingrained in my psyche, you know, like what happened and knowing like how it all happened that I don't remember what I was thinking at the time. Like, I don't mm. remember a time when I didn't think that Tanya Harding was involved or that Jeff Gillooly was involved and like that Nancy Kerrigan had just randomly attacked at a practice, um, you know, and then they all went on to just skate at the Olympics, like not really knowing what had happened.
4: I feel like I remember being agitated by it. Not only because I was scared that, like, people were going around hitting um, people in the (laughs) knee, but also because, you know, it was an incredible comeback story, you know, and not understanding the minutiae and just, like, you know, digesting everything that the media was giving you at the time. And as a child, you were just like, yeah, like, go, Nancy, like, screw you, Tanya, you know, And relearning about this incident, again, like in so many cases, it really has broadened my idea of of what actually happened.
1: Again, for me, this was like massive because these people were my literal idols at the time. Like these were the people I was aspiring to be. Um, They were the American women who were uh, barely women, but competing, you know, at the top of their game. And... I look back on it now, and, like, I watched Tanya, her um, 1991 World Championship. I watched triple her I watched her the land the triple axel in yeah. competition, and I cr- cried. Like, I was sobbing. Aww. So I was like, it's so powerful. Like, this is a jump that is still today incredibly elusive for most skaters, men and women. It's like, what she did, anyway, she was amazing in her own right, and, like, the skating world really treated her... Very badly.
4: As we find that we have had to do with many women in the nineties, we're having to look back and kind of cringe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was tough to be. A, I mean, it's always been tough to be a woman, but, and also tell the me 90s. about it.
2: Tell, tell me about it.
4: Was
5: anybody like a Tanya in a Tanya camp or a Nancy camp before the injury occurred?
2: I remember feeling like Tanya Harding was the underdog. Yeah. Um, and that made me root for her. I yeah. you, you want you love an underdog story.
4: But it was a it was a very uh like a community thing where it brought like brothers and dads to the screen. All of a sudden we were all watching figure skating. It was a thrilling time and a terrible tragedy. You know, not just because it, obviously there was no death, but one can speak about the metaphorical death of careers because of this incident that we're going to learn about. And this is the perfect segue into putting ex-husband Jeff Galuli Up on the board. Put him
5: up there. Mm,
4: Yeah. (laughs) According to Sports Illustrated, in Galuli's account to the FBI, he said that the original idea to disable Kerrigan was Eckhart's. Eckhart's told investigators it was Galuli who first floated the notion. Galuli told the other men that if Harding could get to the Olympics and win, she would have endorsements and a truckload of money. To qualify for the Olympics, however, she had to do well at the Nationals. Kerrigan was the primary obstacle. So Jeff sucks. It just needs to be said. Like, what a loser. He deserves to be up on the board and he deserves to be up on the board before Tanya. I think. Yeah, sounds like opinion. it. Yes. We're gonna talk about the abuse later. Um, but just to let's keep going with the with the other um people who were literally charged for doing the crime. <laughs> uh, let's see how the court, sure. court system did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The
2: non-alarm, <laughs> we call it here the non-alarmy, the non-alarmist court.
4: That's right, the plebes of the world. Um, Friend slash bodyguard Sean Eckard. According to Sports Illustrated, in Galuli's account to the FBI, he said that the original idea to disable Kerrigan was Eckhart's. Galuli says that Eckhart put the cost of an attack on Kerrigan at $4,500. $4,500.
2: For the price of a high end refrigerator, you can end somebody's you have to end somebody's <laughs> yeah. career yeah. forever. It doesn't seem yeah. just doesn't seem quite right. He
4: just yeah, just the price tag doesn't really evoke confidence in getting the job done uh right. Which again, thankfully, he didn't, right? <laughs> but right. um including uh uh, this included an airplane tickets, bus fare, and the purchase of a used car to drive to Boston, plus food and lodging. Galuli said that that was too expensive. <laughs> Eckerd asked what Galuli and Harding could afford. Galuli's response $2,000. That was too little, Eckerd said. <laughs> They're haggling. Okay, a few days later, Eckerd and Galuli met again. Eckerd said that he had the men lined up uh, for the Kerrigan job and that. They were ready to go, but Eckerd and Galuli couldn't agree on a price. And according to Galuli, he asked Eckerd to call the whole thing off. Eckerd said it was too late; that his reputation was on the line. Okay, reputation is on the line. Who is he talking? <laughs> like,
5: like <laughs> you're okay? In what? Yeah, like what world?
4: What are we? All right, man. It's all right, sad. it's sad. It, it's so it's sad. Already in sad, their, and it gets in there. FBI interviews, Galuli and Stant quoted Eckerd as saying, wouldn't it be easier to just kill her? Galuli and Smith replied that they weren't going to get into that and ignored Eckerd while he fantasized about where he could position a sniper with a rifle. It was settled then. Someone would break Kerrigan's right leg. Now, let's just think about this. So there's Jeff who wants to harm Nancy Kerrigan. Then he gets a guy who's going to get another guy. So Eckard's the middleman here. <laughs> okay? Let's talk about this plan. It's bananas. According to Bleacher Report, Gluly showed up a little while after Stanton Smith arrived. This is when the guys are all meeting, right? Eckard pressed record on a tape recorder he had hidden under a paper towel. <laughs>
3: Oh
1: my
4: God. Mm. <laughs> Classic spy
3: stuff. Yeah,
2: exactly. Okay. I'm worried about it flying away. I, if it was just one sheet of paper towel, like that's just a stiff wind can blow that off. Unless, I, was it wet in parts or partially used? That's sort of Wait,
4: yeah. Did you smeared put a cup with barbecue on the sauce. I'm, I'm just, just curious. I'm just like, Unclear. Anyway, anyway, uh, the four men, Galuli, Eckerd, Smith, and Stant, discussed the best way to attack Kerrigan. Stant and Galuli told the FBI that Eckerd suggested killing Kerrigan. We know, but nobody else wanted to go that far. Galuli said damaging Kerrigan's right leg was the best plan because that was her landing leg, and if she couldn't land, she couldn't skate. They planned as to- if
2: he broke. If they broke her left leg, she could go out and skate, right?
4: Like- right. <laughs> They had to, you know.
2: These guys are geniuses, huh? <laughs> they they like...
4: really thought it through. Okay, so they had this quick, quick, what feels like a very quick meeting. And they're like, all right, we're good to go. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
4: Wait, have they settled on a price yet between 2000 and
5: 4500 Do we know? Unclear. Unclear. Okay, so somewhere in the middle.
4: <laughs> so they plan to, uh, they planned to hurt her before the u s Figure Skating Championship, which was scheduled for January 7 in Detroit. If Kerrigan missed the competition, that would uh, that would all but guarantee Harding 's place in the Olympic team. The men decided the attack should take place in Massachusetts, where Kerrigan practiced the next day, armed with a photo and a bio of Kerrigan. <laughs> Stant flew to Dallas where he had a four-hour layover and then to Logan International Airport in Boston where he checked into the Hilton under his own name. I mean, has Bond ever used, uh, James Bond ever used his own name?
3: Yeah, I mean, this is straight out of Bond. I think actually (laughs) this was the plot of
4: uh, Die Another Day. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, he tried to rent a car, but he couldn't because he had grabbed his girlfriend's credit card rather than his own. <sighs> he called her and asked her to mail the card that, he had, his, that had his name on it. <laughs> Uh, he received it on December 30th, 1993. Made his way to the Dollar rent, Rent-a-Car, rented a Chevy Cavalier, and drove about 80 miles to Cape Cod, unaware that at almost exactly the same time, Kerrigan was driving away from there on her way to Boston. I'm sorry,
2: but this guy is not worth $4,500. <laughs> this guy's worth a thousand dollars max. Like I would not pay this guy to do anything for anything more than a thousand dollars.
4: Okay. Over the next several days, Stant staked out Tony Kent Arena, which was where she uh, Kerrigan used to practice, uh, moving his car every 30 minutes. He told the FBI so as not to arouse suspicion. On January 4th, he called the arena and said he had a daughter who wanted to meet Kerrigan. The woman who who answered the phone told him Kerrigan had gone to Detroit to skate in the Nationals. (laughs) Oh, my God. Why didn't he make that call the first day? It just feels logical to me.
1: Too good of a question.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Stant drives back to Boston uh, Airport to drop off the rental. He jumped on a bus to Detroit. The next day, he picked up his uncle at the airport. (laughs) They went to Joe Louis, Louis Arena, the location of the upcoming skating tournament, and spent 45 minutes figuring out the best place to attack Kerrigan as she practiced at the adjacent Cabo Arena. The next day, January 6th, Stant woke up to the frigid Detroit morning. He went out bundled, uh, bundled up against the cold. He He put a collapsible baton baton in his pants. Smith and Stant arrived at Cabo, sat at opposite ends of the arena, but inside of each other. Soon, Stant gave the signal that the attack was imminent imminent. He stood up, sat back down. That was the signal. He stood up and then sat back down. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Smith left to get the getaway car. Stant followed an ABC, I mean, you're following an ABC TV cameraman to do, to do, to assault someone who was following, who was uh, in turn following Kerrigan as she left the ice. Stant brushed through a curtain. He walked to the right of Kerrigan, swung at her with two hands on the baton. He connected about an inch above her right knee and later said he knew he had not done much damage because the sound had not been of a bone breaking. He ran toward the exit. This is this is where it gets even wilder. He ran toward the exit door he had uh, scoped out the day before. It had been unlocked then. Now it was chained shut. Oopsie. <laughs> With nowhere to go and shocked uh, and uh, soon to be enraged crowd behind him, he barreled into the plexiglass on the bottom half of the door. Stant blasted through it and found himself outside in the snow. He heard someone yell, somebody stop him. But soon he was running free. He threw the baton under a car. He found Smith and they drove away.
2: And that was from an article in Bleacher Report. I want to cre- credit the uh, writer Matt Crossman because we- that was a huge pull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was basically all his writing. Th-
4: thank you, Matt. Uh, <laughs> the amount of ineptitude... The whole thing is crazy, but what a bunch of yahoos. And now I guess we can put Tanya Harding. <laughs> First of all, she's always maintained that she didn't know about the assault on Kerrigan before it happens. And there isn't really much evidence that's directly linking her to it. According to uh, Sports Illustrated, uh According to Galuli's FBI statement, when he told Harding about his conversation with Eckard, she liked the idea of injuring Kerrigan, but she was skeptical about whether Eckard, a notorious notorious blowhard, was the right man to arrange it. Eckard told Galuli it would be a good idea to have some personal information on Kerrigan—a photograph, her address, the location of the rink where she skated. I mean, so. What are they doing? Okay. According to Galuli's FBI statement, he passed this request on to Tanya Harding, suggesting that she call a journalist uh, of their acquaintance, uh, Vera Murano. Interviewed by the FBI, Morano said the following. On December 26th, Harding called her, saying she needed to settle a bet. She asked Morano if she could find out where Kerrigan trained and if Kerrigan owned any property in Cape Cod. Morano told Harding she would try to get uh, that information and would get back to her. Morano did this by calling a friend in Massachusetts, Dorothy Baker, a member of the U.S. Figure Skating Association. Baker told Morano that Kerrigan trained at Tony Kent Arena in Cape Cod. Baker would not provide any information about Kerrigan's place of residence. Murano called Harding back, left the information on an answering machine. Galuli Galuli told the FBI that when he and Harding listened to the tape, it sounded as though Murano was saying, Kerrigan trained at Toby can arena. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They couldn't understand it. Galuli says that Harding called Murano back on December 27. And they heard that he heard her ask Murano to spell it out. Harding wrote down Tony Kent. Finally. Now, Rolling Stone uh, says, Ann Schatz was the first reporter to nab a sit-down interview with Harding shortly after the incident. Schatz says, It was clear Harding and Jeff had rehearsed what they would and wouldn't talk about before sitting down. I remember him standing over my shoulder, glaring at her. I could see his image in the mirror. With this with this look, I had never seen on him before. When Schatz Schatz asked if Harding had anything to do with the attack. Her body language was something to behold. She forcefully looked back at me and said, no, I had nothing to do with it. That's up to the people to believe or not, Schatz notes.
2: I think we got to put up something like the people you choose. She made some shitty choices about her personal life, and that carried over into her career.
4: And more than just like shitty choices. I mean, I I, I think we're talking about someone who who suffered a lot of a, a physical and and psychological No, abuse. of course,
2: yes.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I think we should, I mean, we haven't talked about her mom yet, really, and her family, but um, I think, it, like, the cycle of abuse or something like that should go on the board because it's, like, a thing you just can't get yourself out of. And she, like Chris is saying, like, brought this person into her life and he infiltrated this, like, you know, elite skating world with his bullshit and, like... Whether she was involved in the attack or not, like, this is the reason why Jeff Galuli was was there and, like, why mm-hmm. this happened to Nancy Kerrigan.
5: Yeah, her mother. her mother sort of, like, set the tone for the rest of her life, which she didn't have any choice over. But, like, because she was abusive in the ways she was, you know, I mean, she, like, obviously had a, I mean, a lot of stuff she was dealing with, but, like, a bunch of insecurity, so... I'm sure, you know, this guy comes around and didn't they get together when she was like 15? Yeah. So like he comes around, he's probably like, oh, you're so great. You're this, you're that. And she's like, oh, my God, like someone is telling me I'm beautiful or I'm talented or I have a future. And it does not seem like I have that at all in any capacity right now. So mm-hmm. maybe she's going to like throw all her eggs in his basket and then you know
4: finds out that that's a rotten basket <laughs>
5: it's not it's no good <laughs> yeah bad i mean basket.
4: it's it's worth bad th- baskets can we put up bad baskets please <laughs> <laughs> bad eggs
3: you got it
1: i feel attacked yeah. as a woman but, bad <laughs>
2: eggs, but i'm curious where that came from and i i'm putting all your eggs in one basket because do, you, do they really separate? Would you, could you go into the carton and take out eggs and put them each in an individual different basket? Then you'd be carrying around 12 baskets. I'm going to kind of look up the etymology of that. You guys keep talking wow, about... Wow, Chris was inspired
4: to look up a fact that is really unrelated,
1: but we'll take it. <laughs> One other thing I just want to point out is that Tanya Harding and Jeff Gooley were divorced by the time this attack happened. And like that just shows mm-hmm. the stranglehold or, I mean, no pun intended, that he had on her, you know, that he, she just could not shake this guy and he was all over her life.
4: Well, yeah, um, are you ready so to sad. be angry for one second? We'll, we'll talk about like uh, the mother soon, but are you ready to be angry? Always. Mm, yeah. Okay. They were divorced, like you said. Now, the, the U.S. Figure Skating Association told Tanya. That in order for her to come back into the Nationals, she had to bring him back into the picture because when she was with him, she was doing better on her skating. Mm. Uh,
3: can we put them on the board? Yes.
5: <laughs> it's so fucked up.
1: Yes. The USFSA is
5: a fucked up
1: organization. And I, I bet they, that also had something to do with like some kind of family values like or some sort of perception of like what a divorced person
4: was like in the in the world there was no winning for her she was never going to really change the the US figure skating association's like perception of her they had already decided that she was you know quote trashy or you know if if, if so it's like It brings me... uh, What I'm saying is that I think it's important that we talk about the fashion industry here. I (laughs) I was waiting for this one. (laughs)
2: Let's go. Get him up there.
4: This is a quote... Going back to appearance and just like coming off as uh, put together. According to Rolling Stone, in her autobiography, The Tanya Tapes, Harding claims that the U.S. Figure Skating Association pressured her into taking back ex husband Jeff Galulli because her 1993 divorce didn't reflect the image of domestic tranquility that the Fuck. organization put,
2: <laughs> put domestic tranquility on, <laughs> on the board.
4: Is anyone
5: experiencing domestic I tranquility? <laughs> i <I'm> to <gonna> ask.
1: <laughs> I would love to hear from you out there if you are.
4: <laughs> yes, please write in those <laughs> tranquil domesticated uh uh <laughs> couples. Um the organization pr- that the organization preferred for its female skaters. Oh, sexism. 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 Put it up. Yay. Quote, they said I had a stable life when I was with him. Married, settled down, she said. They wanted to make sure I was still going to be that way to go to the Olympic Games.
2: I think this is so fucked up. It's
4: so fucked <laughs> <Yeah>. up.
2: <laughs> <It's>, <laughs>
3: because what male sports have this sort of, you have to also be likable.
1: This is something we're seeing even now. Like when you see the way Naomi Osaka is being treated mm-hmm. by like tennis mm-hmm. or whatever. And the, yeah. Serena has been treated. I mean, this it's sexism, and with racism. Like, yeah, yeah. But I think um, maybe it's like toxic sports culture or something. I don't know. It should go on the board.
5: Or
3: capitalism. Put them all up. (laughs) So this is what I'm putting up. I'm putting up sexism in sports because I think it's good to be specific. I'll put up
4: capitalism. And then, you guys, should we just put up the Olympics? Yeah. Why not? It's the time. It's the time. It's... (laughs) Going back to the fashion industry, it it didn't matter how hard like Tanya tried to re- reach these expectations that the USFSA had set up. You know, it, it was just never good enough. She was she was either too like non unfeminine, or uh, when she then like she tried to you know change her outfits or make them more w- what her and what her idea she thought was femininity then she was too trashy right so which it brings me to the point that like judging people by what they wear especially in a sport it's absurd, right? It's, it's something you, th- you throw on your body. <laughs> and like just the fact that the, the appearance is part of the actual point system, uh, you know, the judging process of figure skating, a, a, a sport that is actually incredibly hard. I don't you Stosh, you talk to us about us. How, you know, how many triple axles can you do? I mean, um,
1: let's not, we don't need to go into that. <laughs> I need to show off right now. But, I Can mean, you really do a triple <laughs> axle. Um, no, I went as far as my, my single axle. Well, just, Oh, okay. I
5: can barely like, stand I, up <laughs> escape, so.
1: but I felt as a very young child from the very beginning, I felt the shame and the stigma of all of that from like, because my mom made my costumes in my f- early competitions. And the first time I bought a costume that had like sequins and was like made by someone else and had like, checked the boxes of like, you know, the sheer thing in the back with the V and like, um, it was just flashier and more expensive. I felt so much more validated and like so much more comfortable than in the, I mean, I, and again, I was a child. The other thing about the clothes that, that I think ties into what you're saying is that one very specific thing about figure skating that is only true of like a few other things, like maybe dancing and ballet is that, It is one of the hardest, it is an incredibly difficult sport and you are not supposed to look athletic. And the women who were athletic, like the Midori Itos and the Tanya Hardings of the world and like the Surya Bonnellys, like always were punished for their athleticism versus Mm. like an Oksana Bayul who like comes out and can jump but also looks like a fucking swan, like a literal swan on the ice Mm -hmm. and then nancy who's like so pretty and so good and like she can she does that signature spiral and everyone's like oh but she cannot hold a candle to tanya harding's jumping when you watch those things side by side but she looks so pretty on yeah she had vera wang Mm. designing
5: her costumes yeah i mean vera fucking wang put vera on the board (laughs) yeah
2: Contri- contributing <laughs> to sexism and class there's also a classism thing there's classism thing. yeah
4: absolutely and the- here's the thing they were they both came from very working class families um Kerrigan, it-, it just was like for me, my take on it now is that the Kerrigans were just like New New England and they kind of just like, they they weren't as rough around the edges. They didn't show um, as they didn't emote as much. So they came off way more put together than Tanya and like her crazy mom who really did have a parrot. I shouldn't say her crazy mom, her very abusive mom (laughs) was an alcoholic. And, um, just a quick thing about Tanya Harding's mom, uh, in, in a Tanya Harding video, uh, interview, she says, my mother would fill up the thermos with real brandy, not flavored brandy and drink that until she took me to the rink. The verbal abuse was constant. You're fat, you're ugly. You're never going to amount to anything. It started at a young age and those words have stayed with me my entire life. Um, Pat Hamill, whose daughter skated with Harding as a child, remembers Lavana slapping Tanya so hard one time that she knocked the little girl off her stool. You know, she was physically abused by her half-brother when she was five. So she, and and it continued until she started uh, dating Jeff. Mm. Mm.
2: So Jeff so, was sort of an escape He a was an
4: escape t- uh, cut to they're getting, by the time they were getting married, he was already hitting her. Yeah. So he was already oh,
3: physically
2: abusive. Yeah. Um, cycle of abuse.
4: It's a cycle of abuse.
1: And speaking sort of to the classism of all of that too, like I, it's, this isn't the right way to put it. So you guys help me out here, but like, I wonder if we should put something like, like a thug mentality or like, a, like a, like t- it's toxic masculinity, but it comes in the form of like I'm gonna solve my problems with violence. Like I'm gonna mm, beat the shit out of you, oh. and that's how this problem is gonna get solved. I'm just gonna take you out, you know, bang
5: you. Yeah, in the like let's and, yeah, let's take her out. Let's get rid of the competition instead of I don't know, maybe supporting Tanya.
4: <laughs> Come on, Georgia. That's 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 <laughs> too sane.
3: <laughs>
5: yeah. That's
4: too, would sorry. it be like just? <laughs>
3: Violent behavior or like
4: yeah. violent reactions like, or, vi- or, yeah, or, or like, yeah, I mean, it really violent it is response. just to- toxic masculinity, also yeah. sums yeah. It up. Yeah, I mean, that does sum it up. Now, in terms of classism, you know, there was the, the whole thing about endorsements under, under the USFSA rules, skaters can't make money off of their skating. Um, otherwise they would be considered amateurs and therefore they wouldn't qualify to compete. But the loophole is that you're allowed to make money off of endorsements. So in 1994, uh, but at the women's skating uh, finals, they were the most watched Olympic Olympic event. Um, and Kerrigan had six endorsement deals worth $4 million um, and Harding, on the other hand, only had one endorsement, apparently from uh, Texaco. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> the gas?
5: The gas.
1: The yeah, gas- like
5: Texaco. Tex- you- <laughs> yeah, it's a, ga-
4: it's a gas station. <laughs> it's a gas. Okay. I don't know what that commercial was like or how they connected the dots, um, figure skating and oil. Um, but she so so she while she's winning all of these national competitions and international competitions and even competing in the in the Olympics she's also subsidizing her life working at you know this this restaurant at the mall where so her ice skating rink was at at a mall inside of a mall and she also worked at at a restaurant called Spud City like in between her practices um so she's you know were struggling and had people you know fundraising for her it it was it was hard
1: yeah most of the other people she was competing against had either rich families or like a government subsidizing their training you know like if you're from the ukraine or something probably
3: that's why this all seems to be leading back to like the olympics and this whole idea of like what we expect of athletes and it's so strange especially when you're dealing with like young underage girls yeah
2: should it go back to sports media because you know they could go a long ways in making um these these uh, events more familiar to households right like um you know the trials that and the whatever so that you know they could show these trials and stuff and not just sort of you know we would not just see these sports being played once every four years. We'd see them more often, and so therefore these people who are so talented and have devoted their lives to these sports would be more recognized. So can we put sports media in there?
4: Let's throw it up. ESPN? I mean, that kind of takes us to what our listener recommendation. I I won't forget to do it today. And it's coming from at Hannah Bothner. And Hannah Bothner writes... Yes. I think she's excited about that we're doing Tanya and Nancy. She writes, yes, the media slash society's treatment of women due to sexism has to go on the board. The media ruined so many young women's lives during the 90s because of how they portrayed them and how they came after them. Media's treatment of women in the 90s. Put it up. Yeah, I,
5: I, yeah, I
4: like that. I love it.
5: I, I love like it, it. Hannah. I mean, I don't love it. But yeah, (laughs) I like it on the board.
4: (laughs) Okay, so let's take a quick break. And after that, we are going to go
0: through our process of elimination. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
4: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online H-E-L-P dot com slash alarmist.
2: Okay, who is to blame for the Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan assault? Is it Jeff Galluli, Sean Eckhart, Shane Stant and Derek Smith, the hitmen? Tanya Harding, Cycle of Abuse, Lavona Golden, Bad Baskets, U.S. Figure Skating Association, the fashion industry... Desire for Domestic Tranquility, Sexism in Sports, Capitalism, The Olympics, Vera Wang, Classicism, Toxic Masculinity, Sports Media, or Media's Treatment of Women in the 90s.
1: Oh, I just want to blame
5: it I think we can take off bad baskets. <laughs> 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 Sorry.
4: What about Vera Wang?
5: No 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 (laughs) no Don't take her off take her off. Yeah, you can take her off. I don't want her to be to blame for this. She did
4: great work. She did great work.
2: She doesn't deserve this.
4: I feel like we can start folding a few of these.
1: Yeah, I wonder if we we could fold Lavana Golden, her mother, into cycle of abuse or yeah.
4: For sure. I
3: like that. Yeah. Now, we could, a lot of this stuff like desire for domestic tranquility, maybe even the fashion industry, could that be folded up into the figure skating association? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I think so. Yes. I would
5: say, I would say, I, I would argue, and tell me I'm wrong, fashion industry, we could put with uh, sexism in sports. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's just like a, you know, yeah. a visual, like what they are present. I think in this like case, that. like,
2: I even like rolling sexism in sports into U.S. Figure Skating Association because it yeah. was their specific toxic sexism that, um, you know, made it so hard for Tanya to sort of f- compete. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah that they, I, I like that. That USFSA basket is getting pretty full.
2: <laughs> yeah we shouldn't throw all of our eggs in that basket,
4: oh, bring the basket which, I, back.
2: which i looked up it was first i think first reference around Don Quixote or in don quixote the book oh
4: okay so but what 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 does it mean
2: well i was thinking of eggs in like baskets like as in like a dozen eggs in a basket as in a like okay. a shopping bag but back in the day the hens would just lay the eggs and you would just go grab them. Oh, they didn't have you'd little collect, cartons it, yeah. back in the day? <laughs> individually. So they were there wouldn't be a carton, so you wouldn't have to separate I see. them.
4: Now classism, I mean, you gotta keep that, but there's something about hmm, what about capitalism and the Olympics kind of Oh, yeah, mm. putting the two of them together. I feel like folding capitalism under Olympics like you did, Amanda. Yeah, that works for me.
1: yeah, that that definitely works I, this is this is bold, but I I almost feel like we can take off Shane Stant and Derek Smith only because they're so pathetic, even though like he was the one holding the baton, I don't know. like is he really the the reason I'm, like is, does he deserve do they deserve like the blame? that's I what that's where my head is question. right now i don't know you guys think are they did they
5: get any time for this did they get in trouble? yes they served
4: time they did all right the only well, one who didn't off. serve time was uh tanya harding mm. um because i think i think deal. they did their
5: time i think i think the alarmist jail is you know it's a different kind of jail <laughs>
3: What about wrapping sports media into the media's treatment of women in the '90s? Yeah, I like that.
4: So we still have Jeff Galili. We've got Sean Eckard, the the middleman. Uh, he can come off, yeah, yeah. What I a think fool. so, yeah. yeah. But sure. Um, we've still got Tanya Harding, the cycle of abuse, U.S. Figure Skating Association, the Olympics, classism, toxic masculinity. And the media's treatment of women in the '90s. Um,
3: hmm. What about wrapping toxic masculinity into Jeff Galuli
4: or vice versa?
1: Yeah, yeah, or 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 cycle of abuse or some. I don't know. Yeah, I think you could probably wrap that into Jeff.
4: Yeah, and I think that you can ra- wrap. I mean, this might be controversial, but Tanya Harding into the cycle of abuse. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I'm gonna
1: I mean, have a hard time. I don't know. I'm so oh. reluctant to blame to to place any blame on Tanya.
4: No, that's why I'm, That's why I'm saying. So
3: you're saying her? But, she goes into cycle. But Stosh is worried. Then we send the cycle of abuse basket to jail, and Tanya gets the baby washes out with no, the bath I, water. I, I think
1: I I think <laughs> I might be able to live with that. If you're folding, maybe we
2: can just we're not fo- We can just relinquish Tanya Harding. From yeah. this Whole thing and not not roll her in.
3: Yeah, she was she was punished like, yeah. uh, you know,
4: she was punished. She
2: That's was pre-punished true. Punished going into this. Tragedy. She's been
4: punished for a long time. She's, she's, she's taken enough right. shit. I've got I, I've got more beef with the U.S. Figure Skating Association than the Olympics personally. I agree.
1: I feel like Olympics um, can go.
2: I just can't get over the fact that they that that whole domestic tranquility line and they forced her. I just can't get past that.
3: I mean, and to that point, maybe classism also could be wrapped up in the figure skating
4: association because they were kind of manifesting that. Definitely, Yeah. You could also, like, put classism under media's treatment of women in the 90s because that was, like, the way they reported on these two individuals so differently who were – who actually, they feel like they had a lot in common, really, you know, when you think about their – their backgrounds and stuff. Okay. So left on the board, we have Jeff Galouli, cycle of abuse, us figure skating,
3: and the media's treatment of women in the nineties. So we have to make a hard call. And now is the time it's that pressure's on. We got to do the triple axle oh. and, and stick the land. <laughs> in. land.
2: Don't cry. Don't I mean, cry. If your shoelace comes untied, just get out there.
1: I feel like we, we want to do some kind of punishment to the U S FSA because of all the, the, Subheadings that are now in there, but I I really also want to punish the cycle of abuse. But I'm I'm starting to think that we can the cycle of abuse kind of folds into Jeff Galuli, and like maybe he Mm -hmm. maybe he deserves to go to jail.
4: I'm with you. I think that the uh, my my feeling is that we should send Jeff Galuli to the alarmist jail and uh, give the big slap to the U.S. Figure Skating Association.
2: Make the call, Ray.
4: All right, I'm going to make the call. U.S. Figure Skating Association, you're getting the big slap. <laughs> Jeff Galuli. you're going to the Alarmist jail. I feel like, you know, the 90s, uh, women in the 90s are slowly getting their, their vengeance here at the Alarmist. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, ladies, I'm so grateful to have you ha- had you on for our hundredth episode and thanks for helping us get to the bottom of who's to blame for the nancy kerrigan tanya harding scandal is that what we want to call it sure <laughs> sure it yes. was an assault but tanya didn't do it anyway we'll figure it out one day <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you for having us and
1: happy hundredth episode alarm yeah,
4: congratulations congratulations After the attack on Kerrigan, in the years since the attack, the court of public opinion has continued to punish Harding, who's endured harassment and routine vandalizing of her property, as if she'd been the one holding the baton that day. Though Harding and Galuli have both changed their last names, she may never be able to change the minds of those who believe she knew all along. you think is to blame by going to the alarmist podcast.com. follow us at the alarmist the on twitter at the alarmist podcast on instagram or email us at the alarmist podcast at gmail.com tune in next week we're discussing movie heather's